from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. On this episode of Newt's World, I am really pleased to welcome back somebody who is a good friend to my family, and I think an inspirational figure, John Andrasik, five for Fighting's Grammy-nominated singer-songwriter. John and I last talked in October when his song Blood on My Hands was released. That song describes the tragic U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan, something which I might note I'm very proud that my good friend Sean Hannity begins every program reminding people how many days it's been that there are Americans trapped. And as we watch the country disintegrate, we realize just how bad the Taliban has been as a governing force and how big a mistake it was through not leaving correctly, but leaving the way we did, just guaranteed destructive things. So I thought John really hit a chord, but there's so much more to him than that particular song. And I want him to join us again because he's just released a powerful new docu-music video for Blood on My Hands and is actively raising funds for Americans for Afghanistan through his charity, WhatKindOfWorldDoYouWant.com. As we enter this new year, I'm really pleased to welcome you back, John. And I thank you for this new music video. It's a powerful message. We cannot forget what happened in Afghanistan, and we can't forget Afghanistan itself. So I'm curious, though, what was the response to your song, Blood on My Hands? Well, thank you for having me again, Mr. Speaker. Happy New Year. 
You know, since we last talked, it's been surreal. When I played the song live, many veterans, especially Afghan veterans, come up and many of them couldn't talk. They were so angry and ashamed about leaving their brothers and sisters behind. And all of a sudden I started getting these emails from people trapped. You know, some songwriter, how surreal is that in America where some songwriters is getting emails from American citizens saying, please come rescue me because their government has abandoned them. So I found myself embedded with many of these groups, a group called Project Exodus Relief, Task Force Pineapple, Task Force Argo. And I started joining these operation calls, which were surreal and inspiring. But also I was on these signal chains, one particularly called Atrocities. There are these people basically every day documenting the atrocities of the Taliban. And I felt I needed to do more than just put out the song to actually document through images, music, and commentary from an Afghan leader, what really happened. You know, I know you're a huge history fan, and I wanted a musical piece for history for 20, 30 years from now that people could look back and at least see one musician's view of Afghanistan, and at the same time give a shot in the arm to these heroic evac operations that they're not alone. And in 2022, we will not forget. And I'm glad you mentioned Sean and you and There's a lot of folks. We will not let it go because it's ongoing and every day it's tragic. So how did you put together this music documentary for the song Blood on My Hands? You know, I figured there would be three sections. The day after I performed in D.C., I took a little trip to the White House and I brought my guitar and my sound man and my cello player brought their iPhones and we shot a performance of me singing the song in front of the White House But I wanted more than that. So we wanted to do some kind of prologue that through news clips basically told the story of how we got here. There's been many of those, but I wanted to do one kind of created more as a musical piece edited to me playing the piano. So we did that. And then I felt it important that the last word not come from some American, some songwriter. I wanted an Afghan to have the last word. And I'd seen interviews with former Vice President Saleh who spoke a lot about the importance of America, the shining light of America, the leadership of America, our compassion, our values, and how a world without America would be a much darker place. And of course, these were before the withdrawal. So I wanted to get his opinion now. And I was fortunate enough to speak with him for 20 minutes. And I included some of his excerpts in the video. And I think they were very powerful. And I think they reflected opinion, not just here in America, but around the world about our broken promise, and the mirror that we're holding up to ourselves. And we are asking ourselves, who are we? We talked about that last time. Who are we? Are we Normandy? Are we the Berlin Wall? Or are we a country that basically cedes our allies and citizens to terrorists? And I don't know that answer. Frankly, right now, I'm not sure any of us do. I think we're wrestling with this difficult period that we're living through. But now, for people who are listening, who want to see this documentary musical video How can they find it? The easiest way is to just go on YouTube. If you just search for on YouTube, Blood in My Hands, White House, it'll come up. Uh, Of course, people can go to fiveforfighting.com, my website. But yeah, it's not pleasant to watch. Frankly, after two months making it, I never wanted to watch it again. We were not gratuitous, but we had to use images that were happening. You know, we blurred out some faces. We did not show pictures of the president falling down the stairs or looking at his watch. We were serious about this and we wanted it to be a honest reflection, not a political attack. 
And I have clips of Millie and Austin and Blinken, basically their words, not mine. And it seems to be resonating particularly with our veterans and the orgs who are performing the heroic work of keeping the promise. Now, you just tweeted it out on January 3rd. What kind of response have you been getting? Well, you know, I think we have close to 200,000 views just on Twitter. With veterans, they're glad to have a voice. I think the administration would love to sweep this under the rug. We don't see much of Afghanistan on the news. I was very disappointed, but not surprised. In many of the year-end review segments that people do on all these new channels every year, on many, Afghanistan was just a blip. And frankly, you could have done a whole piece and should have done a whole piece on Afghanistan. And there's a little blip in the video that probably is the scariest part of it that nobody sees. Right before the very end, there's a half-second shot of Chinese planes flying over Taiwan, because I think that's what we're going into next. So it's not just about Afghanistan. It's about what's coming. And people get that. And I think people are grateful that this video is out there. And also people are asking, where are the other videos? Where are the other songs? Where are the other advocates for all those at risk in Afghanistan, including women, lesbian and gay people who are getting hunted and our allies, of course. In a sense, what you're singing about is about us as much as about Afghanistan. It is about us. Certainly, it's a humanitarian tragedy and we care about that, but it is about us. And when I was making the video, my overall theme was not just Afghanistan and not just the mistakes we made and not just the lack of accountability and not just the media turning a blind eye and not just those who claim to be compassionate crickets on those who are at risk, the groups we mentioned. It really is who are we? Are we as a people, someone who will promise these troops that we trained that we will have your back, promise these interpreters that, oh, don't worry about it. If the Taliban threatens you, we will have your back and abandon them. Who are we? That is not the America I grew up in. And I think a lot of people are asking that question. And you're right. That, to me, is the overall theme of this video. And that's why I asked Mr. Sala. My first question was, who is America now? And his answer, which was, (laughs) America is lying to itself, and who would ever trust them again, I think is legitimate. Well, I think that's right. And I think that It's a huge challenge dealing with this administration and trying to get them to realize, for one thing, the scale of the human tragedy that's building in Afghanistan in terms of people literally starving. And as you know, there's been a bipartisan push with some 40 members of Congress signing a letter to Secretary of State Blinken and Secretary of Treasury Yellen to provide aid to Afghanistan, but also very specifically to provide it directly to the Afghan people not the Taliban, although I'm personally not quite sure how they think they're going to be able to get aid in without the Taliban intervening. But what's your reaction to the idea that we have at least a moral mission to try to help people who are in this kind of desperate strait, even though we had abandoned the larger moral mission of trying to keep them free? Yeah, there's two components. There's the moral issue. Who are we? Do we keep our promise? Do we care about people being murdered, children being sold for food, the greatest women's rights catastrophe, decimation in our generation. And you're right, there are some folks on the Hill I'm happy to see. Joni Ernst is leading the way on this with, believe it or not, Senator Blumenthal. And every female member of the Senate wrote a letter to the president 
demanding that he take some action for the women rights disaster in Afghanistan. Mike Waltz is doing a stellar job with many veterans on the Democratic side. But we really need policy. These groups are running out of money. They're exhausted. And the most important group that we need to rescue is something very few people talk about is the special forces that we trained. We spent billions of dollars training these Afghans. And they are very sophisticated. And they have two choices. One is be murdered or join the Taliban. And if we don't get them out, we will be fighting them, the folks we trained with our weaponry very soon. So beyond a moral mission, I think it's a national defense mission. Of course, we talk about Al-Qaeda and ISIS rebuilding there. But it's not just a moral mission. It's a national defense mission. And the difference between this and everything else, you know, certainly you can't save the world. You want to be compassionate. You can't save everybody. But we cause this. This is on us. Our actions cause this. And I think that's what makes Afghanistan different than some of the other humanitarian work that we try to do around the world. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment with a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Now, you've gotten involved very directly with a fundraising effort called Americans for Afghanistan that you launched to help fund efforts to help both Americans trapped in Afghanistan, but also our Afghan allies who are still trapped there. You have sort of a series of five for fighting mission points. Do you want to share that with us? Yeah, I mean, they basically talk about 
supporting our groups that are doing the evacs, demanding that we recognize the women's rights catastrophe that's happening, the shutdown of the arts. I know it's not as, frankly, critical as people being killed, but the arts has been shut down. You are not allowed to sing a song unless it's Taliban approved. There are actors hiding in their safe houses. Of course, demand accountability where there has been none, which I think is very dangerous. And also, as I said, you know, celebrate those patriots who are keeping the promise. So we have a variety of missions. We have many tools and projects coming up. This video is not the last gasp. This is just one more swing of the bat. Some of the new projects will be a little more inspirational and not quite as hard to look at. We're hoping to have a concert for Afghanistan this summer for Afghan veterans that will have Afghan performers and show our veterans firsthand that look at what you did. These people here would not exist. They could not perform. They could not practice their passion without you. The Americans for Afghanistan is just one place where we can kind of put all these missions together and try to do the right thing. We have to atone for what we did. And the first thing to do is admit what we did. And if the administration does not do that, we will not let that stop us. You know, I was struck when you talked about music. If I remember correctly, people said one of the biggest changes when we liberated the country in early 2002 was all of a sudden people brought back out their various musical instruments. They brought back out tape recorders and other things to be able to play music that had literally been a country with no music under the Taliban. And now they're being coerced back into what's really not a very Afghan kind of behavior. So, I mean, the Taliban in that sense is a deviance from Afghan normalcy because they are a religious people with lots of music, with lots of drama, with theaters. And there was a sense of enjoyment of life that the Taliban seemed to be deeply opposed to. And in that sense, I think it's terrifically appropriate to have a musician trying to help Afghans. And I'm a little surprised that Hollywood and the music industry haven't been more engaged in recognizing how important the arts are and that we ought to be defending people's rights to participate in the arts of their particular country. Yes, you know, there was actually a letter early on from many of the British leading A-list actors basically calling for exactly what you're talking about, to recognize the plight of their fellow artists in Afghanistan and their lack of freedom of expression and the fact that it's not just about their ability to practice their craft, it's about their ability to survive. The Taliban has killed folk singers for just expressing themselves. And at the end of the video, I think Mr. Saleh made a very good point that I think about more and more. He said, America should write a letter, have your children write a letter, and talk about what America did to Afghanistan. And it would be like a mirror to your face. And I think Afghanistan is a mirror for America, who we are. And I think that reflects your question. Who are we really? The music artists, the politician, the pundits who claim to speak for the oppressed. I had a call with an operation yesterday, and it was ironic. This guy was saying, I'm the guy they all hate. I'm a white guy, I'm conservative, I'm straight, I'm single, I'm a Republican, and I have 50 gay and lesbian people on my manifest I'm trying to get out. Some who'd lost their partners who were beheaded in front of them by the Taliban. 
And I'm out here saving them, and I'm happy to do it. He doesn't distinguish by identity. He distinguishes by humanity. And where are all these gay, lesbian advocates on Afghanistan? Where are all these women rights advocates? I don't want to give away Mr. Sala's whole conversation, but he mentioned some folks on the Hill. Where are the great advocates of women's rights and gay rights and free speech from the left and even from the right? And I think that is a mirror that we're holding up to ourselves and tells us a little bit who we are in our tribal malignancy and our hypocrisy about this compassionate America and compassionate people. It's really a disgrace to me. But I do want to mention to our listeners that if they donate to whatkindofworlddoyouwant.com, that does help support charitable organizations that are serving both Americans in Afghanistan and Afghan allies who are still trapped. So whatkindofworlddoyouwant.com, which we'll have on our show page, does help these organizations and is one of the things that John has done to really make a difference. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. I'm curious if we can reach beyond the immediate, because you've had a great career in the music business. For some of our listeners, I think there'd be a real interest in how do you go about getting started? How do you go about getting that first recording contract? (laughs) Boy, I wish I had a good answer for you. I think it really goes to things beyond music, to will, to perseverance, 
I didn't get a record deal until I was in my late 20s. I was passed on by everybody. But I still kept writing songs and playing songs. And it's actually easier today because you don't necessarily need a recording contract to have your music heard. One of the silver linings about social media and the internet is you can write a song and sing it in your room and put it up on YouTube and a million people could see it. And you can kind of go around the music industry. But I think it's like anything. It's like practice your craft, listen to great songwriters, perform. A lot of people are hesitant to perform. You know, as an artist, you think every night you wrote Let It Be and you're a genius. But until you go out and play it for somebody, the world may give you a different opinion. Perform, write a lot, listen to people, co-write, do the work. And then if you're fortunate, you may be able to have a career in it. And if you're not, it's something wonderful for your soul. Not everybody can make a living at this. And it's not a meritocracy. Sometimes the best songwriters don't make it because it's just the nature of the game. It's not like sports. But if you have the passion for it, it's a wonderful way to express yourself. And if any folks have questions, they can always find me at the website. And I'm happy to help young artists trying to find their way. Is it a sense of living out your dream? Well, certainly it was for me. I knew very young what I wanted to do, and that was a blessing in itself. And, you know, of course, dreams are dreams, and they're not reality. And so what you may sometime expect to happen behind the curtain, it's not quite nirvana like you thought it would be. And sometimes success can bring its own challenges. But as I tell folks, I'm so blessed to be in my mid-50s. I haven't had a hit in 10 years, but if I want to play a show, somebody will buy a ticket. And if you can have a career where you can be able to still sing and write and play and people come and sing with you, it's a great blessing. And that is truly a dream come true. And I do not take that for granted at all. Does the rise of things like YouTube make the classic radio station relatively less important? Because at one time, if I understand it, getting played on the radio station was sort of the key to the whole game. Hence payola, yes. <laughs> it sure was. When I came up, I caught the very end of that. But you're right. I mean, my children have never listened to terrestrial radio. They listen to YouTube and they listen to TikTok. So radio still matters and it's still helpful to have songs on terrestrial radio. But the thing with Spotify and all these streaming platforms, the nature of the game has changed. And I think that's good. It used to be that if you weren't one of the 20 songs on the radio, very few people would hear your song. So things have become much more segmented. But I think overall, yes, it is good. And to your question, it is a completely different dynamic. And as you know, radio has been struggling just like most of the major media outlets have, trying to figure out how they continue to do it. And what are they doing? They're moving to podcasts. So the whole dynamic has really changed. I think back to my parents' generation, we lived three miles from Hershey, Pennsylvania, and Hershey would get Frank Sinatra, Tommy Dorsey, I mean, the big names of that era. And I think they made a significant part of their income just out of playing these really big places where people came to dance. And it was interesting. I one time heard one of the great conductors of that period say that what ultimately killed them was they got to be so popular that people began sitting down to listen instead of dancing. And he said, all of a sudden, it just changed the whole dynamic, because up until then, it had been a very participatory, 
people went there. They had a wonderful evening, and it sort of shifted very dramatically. And Of course, that was a world ago from where we are today. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, if people got up and started dancing to Superman, I'd freak out, you know, so <laughs> they'll still sit down and listen. <laughs> I'm sort of surrounded a little bit by music. Jackie's two children, Robert plays the bass and Maggie plays the violin. Callista is both majored in piano and then plays the French horn in a community band and for 20 years sang in a professional choir. I'm audience. I'm the person you need to be out there sitting in the audience. And I give musicians like you an opportunity to actually have somebody that can applaud and can say, yes, this was a great evening. I'm curious for a second, the creative process. Do you start with something totally thought through, or do you have an insight and then you kind of grow it? How do you put something together? I try not to have any rules. I think in every room, there's a great song if I could just see it or hear it. Some songs start with music. You kind of sit at the piano and you're playing some melodies and maybe a melody turns into a line. Sometimes you write a full lyric and then you try to put music to that. But there's other times more akin to what you were mentioning where you have a concept. My song, A Hundred Years, was really a sentiment that you hear every day. It's, you know, live in the moment, appreciate the moment. And I was not very good at that, and I wanted to write a little post-it note to myself. And so that song came out of that, and certainly Blood on My Hands is another example of that. There was a specific event, a specific sentiment, anger in me that I felt I need to express myself. So I sat down trying to write something that expressed that. And of course, you go through many permutations, you throw things in the trash, you go back to the drawing board. But I'd like to think there's no perfect roadmap to creativity. And I think you always have to be looking for it because those sparks can come at the most strange moments. And it's usually not when you're sitting at the piano or actually trying to write something. So you always have to be on the lookout for that impetus, that spark, that epiphany, and recognize it, and then take that and incorporate it into your work. Which tends to come first, the words or the music? For me, mostly the music. I always find it harder to place melody to existing lyrics. To me, that's why Elton John is such a genius. He never wrote a lyric. He would always kind of come down and Bernie Taupin would have a lyric sitting there, and he'd have to fit those magical melodies to existing words, which is much harder. I do it sometimes because sometimes I'll have a poem or a thought, but for me, typically music comes first. I'll start jamming on something then the melody will come and the words will come with it. Huh, that's really remarkable. When you have a completed version, does it give you a real sense of satisfaction that you've now, in a sense, created this? That's a very good question. And very few folks have asked me that. And you're right. I remember the first time I played 100 Years from beginning to end, and we kind of got it to where we wanted to get it. It was very satisfying, and it had been months because you try all these different arrangement permutations, you write 200 lines to get the 30 that you use, you try different keys, you try different tempos, there's so many things that go into a song, and when you finally play it from beginning to end for the first time, it is a sense of satisfaction, and it's actually kind of a pleasant place because it's just yours. The world has not given its verdict yet, so you don't know if it's a hit or if it's a miss. For you, it's just this thing you created from nothing that you feel proud of. And those are the moments, frankly, that I think keep a lot of artists coming back. It's kind of like the painters with a blank canvas, and then one day they have this 
beautiful image that they've created out of nothing. And that's what makes the art so magical to me. I think it was Michelangelo who said he didn't actually carve a statue. He took away the excess stone from the statue that was already in the place but hadn't yet come out, which is a very different way to think of it. Yeah, no, for sure. I assume you have some similar response when you write one of your books. You have an idea, here's a book I want to write, and then you spend all this time and effort, and then all of a sudden one day, oh my, here it is. (laughs) How did that happen? (laughs) There is a certain sense of accomplishment, if you will, when you do something like that. Did you ever have the occasion where you thought you had it down, and then you went out and you performed to a live audience, and you said, you know, didn't quite work the way I thought it would? And you had to sort of tweak it some? All the time. And I still think I have songs that I didn't quite get right. I have a song called The Riddle. It was a hit. It wasn't a hit like Superman or 100 Years, but it's a popular song. And I spent a year on that song, and I never felt I quite got it right and still don't. But that's kind of just the nature of the beast. And sometimes you'll actually record a song, you know, and then take it on the road, and your live performance is better than the recording. The perfect example of that is Peter Frampton. Peter Frampton had the biggest double live-selling record ever, and all of the songs were much better live than they were on his records. So it can work both ways. Sometimes you go out on the road and you're like, oh man, we should have done it in this key, we should have done it at this tempo. And that's why a lot of artists, before they record a record, will go take their songs on the road and they'll perform them live for that exact reason, as you said, to learn what's working and what's not. As somebody who gives a lot of speeches, I have the same experience. You have to dance with the audience. And if it works and you're really there, it changes everything. And if it doesn't work, you kind of think, well, this was not quite my night, I guess. (laughs) Then it becomes a job. (laughs) Yeah, but it's hard to capture that in something which is video or audio because it's locked into place. In a sense, it's frozen. And so you're trying to catch this live experience. And the people who are in the audience, I think, emotionally experience something different than they will experience listening to it in their car or listening to it at home. No doubt about it. It's a very interesting process. No doubt about it. The studio experience is so different because you're literally locked in this kind of hole in this room and you're creating this piece out of your mind. And the live experience, having that reaction, you know, you always play things faster live because you have the energy of the audience. I'm curious, when you do that, you raised a really good question. If you're in a studio and you're wearing the earmuffs so you can hear the same thing at the right time, are you imagining an audience or are you just investing in the music? Another very good question. Sometimes you will. Sometimes I'll close my eyes and I'll imagine I'm singing this for 10,000 people. Sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you go over the top and it's too dramatic. But it's something we always do. And it's funny, with Blood in My Hands, it actually happened exactly kind of what you talked about. When I first sang it for the recorded version, I'd imagined that, and it was so angry, and it was so kind of emotional that it wasn't something that really was working. So I kind of had to sing it more clinically. And once I took that on the road and I played it with my guitar every night, I realized that this version actually, I think it's more impactful. So the version in the new video is not me at the piano, it's me standing with a guitar in front of the White House. So all these things we're talking about really reflected itself in this song in ways that many of my other songs had not. Yeah, my experience is there are moments when 
Less is actually more oh. because the audience will fill in the difference. And if you're too strong, they don't have any space. A very wise producer said, it's not about production, it's about reduction. Having space, having it simple. And again, back to Blood on My Hands, the original track was a piano, a shaker, and a vocal. And there was so much space in there for people to think. It wasn't just so many instruments, it was just a wall of sound. I think you're right. You know, the best art seems simple on its face. It may not be creating it. But to have that space for the audience to accept what you're singing is critical. But I think a lot of artists, you know, especially young artists, don't quite get that. Thank you for taking the extra time to talk about the things you've done so brilliantly. And I want to also thank you for keeping the public's attention on Afghanistan, your continuing efforts to help through your charity, What Kind of World Do You Want?, the fundraising campaign you've launched. And I think producing this documentary video is going to help and going to continue to move the message. And as you said earlier, it's going to help future generations understand what a tragic intersection this has been and what a tragic moment it is for Americans and for Afghans and in a sense for the world because to the degree that America is strong and courageous and America truly stands for freedom, we move the entire planet in the right direction. And to the degree that we flinch and we fail, the planet becomes a little smaller and a little more dictatorial and freedom gets a little weaker. So what you're doing, I think, is historic and is truly important, John. And I just want to thank you for taking this time to share with all of us your thoughts. Well, Mr. Speaker, it's always an honor to speak with you. Thanks for having me again. Give my best to your daughter and her family and Happy New Year. Thank you to my guest, John Andrasik. You can find out more about the fundraising efforts for Afghanistan on our show page at newtsworld.com. Newt's World is produced by Gingrich 360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Garnsey Sloan. Our producer is Rebecca Howell, and our researcher is Rachel Peterson. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Penley. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich 360. If you've been enjoying Newt's World, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcast and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. Right now, listeners of Newt's World can sign up for my three free weekly columns at gingrich360.com slash newsletter. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. 
So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.